23 years ago. That makes me feel really young. Um, and now you're helping other people plant churches, which is really exciting. I could tell you a lot of formal things about him to introduce him, but I thought it would be more fun for it to be a little less formal. So I'm giving you my top 10 Chris Hansler moments list. These are my top 10 favorite moments with you. So number 10, times when we've played games together. Um, the first time I got to play a game like Taboo with a true phlegmatic was with you, and it sounded a lot like, uh, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, when it was your turn, and that was awesome. I love that moment. We also played Fascination with you and Lisa at Seaside, and watching her uh, spend all that money to get all those Tootsie Rolls was really, really fun. So number nine on my list, um, the one time that we watched a movie together, we watched Robin Hood. I tried to think of any other movies we watched together. And in our six years, I can only think of one. It was fun, Robin Hood. I enjoyed it. Okay, number eight. Uh, when I started recognizing your point lip, this little thing you do with your mouth so that I know a joke is about to follow. That was a good moment. Um, number seven on my list. When I learned that you actually began a wedding ceremony with the marriage speech from Princess Bride with the accent and all. That is, that is impressive. I got to do that someday. Okay, number six, top favorite moment. Uh, whenever you came in my office and said, hey, can I show you something? It either meant, Andrew, this thing is really great I found. Can you replicate that? Or, Andrew, this thing you did, I don't really like it. Can you never replicate that again? <laughs> so I knew one of those was coming whenever you said that. Number five, when we spent a couple hours debating the fundamental nature of Christ's atonement, whether it was victorious or penal substitutionary. P.S. When I was looking up those terms to make sure I got them, when I was looking up those terms on Wikipedia, I read that the victorious view was actually the view of the early church fathers and the predominant view for the first 1,000 years of the church. So I'm just saying. That was a good moment. <laughs> Number four on my list. That one time that you liked one of my Facebook posts. That one time. That was a great moment. <laughs> Number three. When you performed Allie in my wedding and watching you, your role in her life in general. You're a good, good uncle. So I've enjoyed that. Number two, uh, this moment right up here. Allie and I had fun staying up late last night finding those. <laughs> number one, number one on my list. The times when you defended and fought for me, which happened on several occasions. You're an incredible leader and a great father and not just your own kids. I really appreciate you. So let's welcome Chris Hansler. It's terrible because now I can't fire you. It's great to be here. Uh, Pastor Mike is in um, Springfield, Oregon at Waypoint, the church that he helped plant down there uh, this morning. So he uh, asked if I would come and share this morning. I'm thrilled uh, to be here. It's fun to be back. And, it's you know, it's been really fun for us, for Lisa and I, to just come and be here and, and uh, celebrate what God is doing in the church. Lisa is not here this morning because she is down in Arizona. Um, with her mom and dad who are down there for the last couple of months, and so she's down visiting them. She says hello, uh, and uh, <clears throat> many of you have asked about my dad. Some of you know, some of you may not know. 
on Tuesday night, my dad had a stroke. And um, he, uh, he, he's, if you don't know him, my dad has been a part of this church for the last 20, since it started. So, um, but, and initially it was scary. Um, he, he, had, he had, you know, pretty much lost the ability to move anything on his left side. Uh, was it good Sam? And we just began to pray. And before there's any medication or anything, in fact, they couldn't give him the medication that they would normally give in a case like that. We just began to see all of that come back. His eye opened, his arm started moving again, everything came back into form, and so we were just thanking God, praising God for that. So that was beautiful. Um, he has been he has been at Tacoma General in ICU since that time, and it looks like we're hoping we're hoping he gets to come home today. So uh, so we're grateful, very grateful. So thanks for your prayers. And you're supporting that. He feels really bad that he can't be here today. I tried to guilt him as much as I possibly could and told him he should have been here. But, um, but it's, it's really great to be here. Um, I'm just going to start with a passage of Scripture, and then we're going to sing a song together, and we'll jump right into the Word this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Father God, I, uh, I pray this morning that as we, as we begin to explore this idea of worship, God, that you'd remind us in, in very real ways, not just, not just mentally, not just intellectually, but Lord, in, in really real tangible ways, uh, that we, that are undeniable. That God, you're here. That you're present. God, give us a bigger picture of of what this idea of worship is about today. So that Lord, not only would it be meaningful in a time together such as this, but that it would begin to impact our life every moment of every day. God, teach us by your Holy Spirit today as we look at your Word. And we thank you so much, God. Uh, for what you're doing in the context of this church and, and Lord, in our worship. But Lord, I pray you'd just take us another step further today. We love you. We give you this time. Lord, I pray you'd set me aside that our eyes would be fixed and focused on Jesus. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, worship team. Appreciate it. Pastor Mike has been uh, in this series about upgrades. And he's talked about uh, a number of different kind of upgrades we can make in our life. And he's used the idea of, of exercise or working out uh, and relating those to various spiritual activity in our life. He talked about upgrading our diet. Uh, you know, a new year, we start talking about uh, making changes so that we're upgrading things about our life. And so he talked about upgrading our diet, talked about the Word of God. He talked about up, upgrading our lifting, for those of you who are lifters, um, and talked about prayer with that. He talked about um, upgrading our <clears throat> cardio. And, and in that, he talked about our attitudes. He, he talked about upgrading our, uh, or run, last week, talked about running our own race. As he dealt with, uh, just, and I heard just great, great things about last week. And, and um, uh, by the way, last week I was in uh, a, a church called Summit Christian Church. It used to be called Tahunga Church, the Open Bible. I got to preach down there. It was a church I was on staff at before I moved up here. We moved up here to start this church. And last week on the screen when they introduced me, they put a picture of me up when I was in college. 
This has been brutal two weeks in a row to see what happened. The Tom Selleck mustache going on. The, 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 uh, <clears throat> but um, anyway, our great things about what happened here last week. And, and, um, and, and let, I'm just going to take an aside here again a minute because I, I'm reminded of this. I want to say to you, the thing I'm involved in now, by the way, the thing I'm doing, some of you have asked, uh, I'm, I'm the director of the Pacific Planning Network. We're helping plant churches. And I, I want to say again to you, thank you, um, because this church is a big part of why I'm doing it um, and a big supporter of what we're doing in church planting. And just good news, we're just planting lots of churches. We're planting churches up and down the West Coast. Uh, we have uh, two new Hispanic churches going in in Northern California. We're looking at one, uh, beginning to talk about one in North Seattle. Uh, we got a new one going in, in San Diego. So God is doing beautiful things in the realm of church planting. So I just want to say to you, thank you for uh, helping us in that and just your part in that. <clears throat> so today, Pastor Mike asked me to talk about upgrading your stretching. Uh, just all part of this workout thing. Now, I'm not sure if he asked me that because I'm a lot older than him or if uh, he thought I needed to stretch a little more. I'm not as flexible. I don't know what, but he asked me to do the upgrade your stretching uh, aspect. And, and the, uh, uh, the topic today is worship. And I was thinking about about three years ago, Tyson, you might remember this. Tyson, wherever I don't remember where Tyson went. But anyway, about three years ago, I was playing softball on the church softball team with some of you guys. And it was early in the season, I think, well, it was the first game of the season. And uh, we had, you know, probably not practiced going into the first game, as, as was our norm. Uh, and we, we pulled our team together, and uh, we got out there on the field, and I think we were over here at Heritage, uh, if I remember it correctly. And we got there just early enough to throw the ball around a little bit, you know, before we went out to the field and, and uh, began to to play the game. And so... I get out there. I don't remember where I was playing, but I may have been playing like second base or they may have had me a pitcher or whatever. I think Jeff may have been pitching, but I'm not sure. But but I was out there and, um, you know, we warmed up just a little bit, got out on the field, you know, played. And I got up to bat and, uh, you know, made contact with the ball, probably hit it, you know, somewhere over around to right field like I typically do. I started running to first base. Got to first base, and then, you know, the, the next person gets up. They, they get the hit, and I start moving around the bases, and I feel this pull in my, in my hamstring. Now, understand that in my whole life, my whole life I've been fairly active. I've been, in, you know, I, I've stayed involved in various different kinds of activities that have kept me fairly active. I have never pulled a hamstring in my life. And so this was three years ago, and so I'm, I'm running, and I, and I feel this pull, and so I'm like, oh, man, that, that hurt. And, um, and so I go around between innings. I stretch it. I try to stretch it out the best I can. I'm feeling the pull in my hamstring. We go on in the game, and I get on the base paths again. I'm running again. I pull the other hamstring. So now I got both hamstrings that, are, that I've pulled. And because, uh, of course, I never stretched. Who stretches? I never stretched in my life. And so uh, I pull both hamstrings. And so now it's really bad when you're getting up to bat and you're really hoping you just don't have to run. Or you're on base and you're hoping, you, know, you hope to just get out so you can just walk because you're just limping up to, the, up to the base. And in the course of that season, in a, in a period of two or three games, I pulled both hamstrings and both quads. I didn't even know you could pull your quads, but I did. Whatever I did, it hurt. 
And uh, and there were a couple of us on that team who were who were gimping around. Tyson was one of them. He just walked in. He was trying to avoid that conversation. But but we had pulled hamstrings and quads, and we were just a gimpy team. And I recognized at that time, at that moment, that I had gotten to the stage of my life where if I didn't do a little stretching and a little preparation, actually a lot of stretching and a lot of preparation, I was going to be in trouble. My I didn't have enough flexibility. I didn't have enough blood flow. I didn't, none of that was working in order for me to be able to handle that level of activity. So when we talk about upgrading your stretching and when we, when we compare this to worship, one of the things that worship does is it keeps our heart pliable and it prepares us for the reality and for the activity of life and sometimes the heavy stuff of life. We're born to worship. But I think, unfortunately, too often the church has too limited a view of what worship is. We, 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 have, we have this view uh, that it is this particular event that happens in the course of the week. So my hope today uh, is, really is that we can get a bigger view on what worship is and what it means to upgrade our worship, not only corporately together, I'm not going to be talking, I'm not going to be spending a lot of time on, okay, how do we worship better together when we're here on Sunday morning? Now, it should affect that. But I'm going to talk more today about what does it mean to have a life of worship? What does it mean for this to to take root inside of us on a regular basis? Worship essentially says this. God, there you are, and here I am. That's basically what worship does. Worship is a response to these two truths. One, God is present. God is present. And two, God wants us. You think about those two truths, what worship is in our life is a response to those two things. That God is here and that God wants us. I just want to say this to you as a as a, a reminder that we can't hear often enough. God loves you. It, it's just important for us to just be reminded of the very simple, profound truth. That God loves you. God just God loves you like crazy. And and, and there is nothing you can do that can make him love you any less than he does right now. Or anymore. He loves you. He just loves you. He, he loves you, he's present, and he wants us. Romans 12 says this. The first verse, we already read it, but the first part of that verse says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body. He starts with the word therefore. Therefore, I urge you. So that therefore, it tells us that he's, 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 he's continuing this conversation that was started at the very first part of this letter of Romans, this long letter, this really important, profound letter of Romans. Paul's writing to the church at Rome, and in the first 11 chapters, the first section of this letter that he writes, he gives us all kinds of teaching about doctrine, about who Jesus is, about who we are in, in relationship to Jesus. And so he's taking us back. He's saying, listen, based on all of these things that I've said to you, based on the fact that uh, it is God's kindness He says, in view of God's mercy, based on the fact that it is God's kindness that leads us to repentance, based on this truth that God demonstrates his love for us 
and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Based on the truth that we've talked about in this letter, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Based on the truth that I've talked about in this letter in Romans 10, he says, based on the truth that says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. He says, therefore, based on all of this truth that I've given to you, in view of God's mercy, he's saying, listen, build your life on the mercy of God. Sink your roots deep into the mercy of God. Get a picture of the fact that God is here. They're in view of God's mercy, in the presence of the mercy of God. All of this truth that I've laid out for you. This verse starts with this assumption that God is present. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. Now, we, don't, we can't offer something to somebody who's not there, right? He's, so, so there's this assumption, in view of God's mercy, offer your body. There's an assumption that God is present. Jesus told us, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Jesus, his very name is called Emmanuel. Jesus told us that when he departs, he would give us the Holy Spirit, who not only would be with us, but he would be in us. So there is this truth that God is present, that God is here. Jesus promised it, that he would always be with us no matter what. There is nowhere that we can go that is outside of the arena of God's presence. There isn't anywhere you are, you've been, you can go that is outside of the arena of the presence of God. That's just the truth. And, and God is ready to be encountered at any and at every moment of any day. He wants to be encountered at any moment. And there are some times I know we think God can't possibly be in this situation. But God is present. There are times we don't feel Him. I understand there are times where we don't sense that He is there in the midst of a particular situation. But in that, in those times, please understand, you're not alone. We all feel that way, first of all. But even the, the, the one that we consider perhaps the greatest worshiper in the Bible, King David, the one who wrote so many psalms, so many of these beautiful expressions of praise and worship, even he had times where he wondered, God, are you there? God, why are you hiding your face from me? He's the one who, who penned the words initially, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There were times when King David, the, this beautiful worshiper, wondered, God, where are you in the midst of this time? So I get it. There are times where we don't feel his presence. We wonder if he's there. But still, the truth is, God is present. It doesn't ever change the truth that God is present. I remember it, it, it reminds me of this, this story of when I used to go hunting with my dad. When I, was a, when I was a young kid, he would take me up and I would, uh, I would be right next to him. I'd be right with him. You know, he'd be carrying his whatever he was carrying and I'd be carrying my 22. And, and I, would, I would be right next to him and I'd be walking up, you know, and going through the, the trees and going through the forest and going through the brush. And I would be right there. I could see him the whole time. Sometimes I was so close to him that he would go in front of me and he'd pull the branches and whip them back in my face. And I'd be, Dad, don't. And, and, uh, 
But I was hunting with my dad. I was there. And there came a point as I got just a little bit older where he said, okay, Chris, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go over here a little ways, and I want you to stay right on this ridge. And I just want you to walk up the ridge line. I'm just going to be right over here. We're going to cover a little more ground this way, and we'll go up this hill. Where could the deer possibly go? They can't possibly get away from us, at least we thought. And so I remember, the, 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 you know, in those early times when Dad would do that for me, I, you know, he said, I'm just going to be over here. And he probably wasn't more than 100 yards away from me. But we're in the forest, and I'd be on the ridge, and I was on the ridge because it was the easiest place to know how, where to go. And so I'd be, I'd be hiking up. We're supposed to be quiet. We're supposed to be slow. We're supposed to be watching for deer. But all that was in my head in those moments, where's my dad? I'm supposed to be looking for deer, but really I'm looking to make sure my dad is still there. He told me he would be there. And sometimes I could see through the trees there. there I saw him move over there. But I'm supposed to be, you know, watching and hunting and, and looking and quiet. And, and there was a little signal we would give if, if, you know, we needed to get somebody's attention. If we, if we thought they were close by, we'd give this little whistle. <laughs> oh, oh, look up here. Oh, look up here. That's not, that wasn't it. We, w- we would do this. It was just a whistle. Just a little whistle. Of course, my dad probably was tired of just hearing a continual barrage of whistling. Because I... Because I was nervous because I couldn't see him and I wasn't sure is he still... Because, you know, I had been up in these hills with my dad, but when I was by myself, all of a sudden, these, these, everything looked unfamiliar. You know, I wasn't quite as confident anymore. I, you know, what if I got lost? What if I went the wrong way? Did I go the right way? What if, where's dad? I can't... And so I, I get this... Pen. And, and sometimes we can feel that way with God. You know, when, we're, when he's right there and he's close and everything's going okay... Okay, good. But there are times where we wonder, we can't see him, we can't feel him, we, fear begins to stir up, uh, and, uh, and we wonder where he is. But listen, the presence of God is not just an emotion we feel, it's a truth we stand on. The presence of God is a truth that we stand on, and when we know that God is there, when we recognize his presence, our response to that presence becomes our worship. When we begin to respond to him, we begin to worship. We have tended to make worship an activity, a specific activity that we do. Uh, And and I get it. When we come together and when we sing songs of praise and we sing songs of adoration, that certainly is an act, an expression of worship. But we've done some weird things with worship in in the church world. You know, we, we call this the worship team. And they are the worship team. And I'm not suggesting we change that. But we are all worshipers. You know, I always thought it was weird as I, as I was a worship leader when we'd have what we called worship rehearsal. I mean, when you think about that just logically, worship rehearsal, okay, God, don't listen in on this because this really doesn't count. We're just practicing to be able to worship you. But I get what it means. It's music rehearsal. We're trying to get the music down. But we've done some weird things, but we've isolated worship to this specific activity, this specific event. But it's really a whole life response to the presence of God. The reason, there's a reason, and and all of us know that there are some people who seem closer to God than us. You know, we look at their life and they think, man, they seem close. And, 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 And I think part of the reason that some seem closer to God is because they live within the realm of the truth of God's presence. They live within the realm of the truth of the presence of God. Your life and your worship will reflect the world you are most aware of. This is really important for us to get a hold of. That our life and our worship will reflect the world that we are most aware of. 
So, for example, if what we are most aware of in our lives, you see, see, there's this whole, this, there's this whole spiritual world. And, and we have to remember, again, God is present. God is with us all the time. There's this whole spiritual realm. There's this whole kingdom of God that, that, he, that he has called us into, that we are to live within. And there's kingdom principles within that world. And in the kingdom of God, there is what? There's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's all of these beautiful things. But if the world that we are most aware of is, is perhaps we are, we're going through difficulty or we're going through hard times, and, and if that is, that is the world we are most aware of, then our life will tend to reflect worry. It will tend to reflect fear. It might tend to reflect, uh, reflect anger. But we all know that there are those people who, when even in the midst of pain or difficulty or trouble, still are able to reflect this peace, still are able to reflect this joy because of an awareness in them of the presence of God. They're more aware of the world of the presence of God. If the world you are most aware of is material security, the accumulation of things, then your life will begin to reflect that. You will be driven to accumulate as much material security as you possibly can. But if the world you are most aware of is this world in which God is our provider and where God is our source and where God is our sustainer, then that's the life we will reflect. If the world we're most aware of is the political world, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry if that's the world you're most aware of. That's just depressing. Um, or if the world that you're most aware of is, is, is what's happening on the national scale and, and some of the difficulties, and, or, or maybe the world you're most aware of is some of the enemies in your life or the enemies of our country or whatever it is, you, you know, that, that other world that you're focused in on, then, then maybe we will, you know, our attention will be given to God, or not God, but the, maybe our attention will be given to how can I get vengeance on this person who is my enemy. But if the world we're most aware of is the world in which God resides, where his presence resides, that's when we're able to say, I can love my enemy. Because that's the kingdom world. The world we're most aware of is, is uh, what our life will reflect. If the only time we are aware of God's presence is Sunday morning, that'll be the only time we really worship. But if we're aware of God's presence every day, if we're living in the realm of God's kingdom, all of our life can begin to be an expression of worship. We can, we can wake up in the morning and we can say, God, there you are. We can go to work, and at work we can say, God, there you are. We can be driving in rush hour, or we can be driving down Meridian. And even in that moment... It can be an expression of worship where the presence of God can be in the car and we can say, God, there you are. We can come home and we can be with our family and in that moment, in our awareness of the presence of God, we can say, God, there you are. That's a beautiful thing. See, worship is a response to this truth that God is present. The scripture, the verse goes on to say, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He's explaining. Here's what's worship. This is your true and, and, and proper worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. See, not only is worship a response to the, this truth that God is present, worship is also a response to the truth, this truth, 
He wants us. God wants you. He He wants us. It's 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 a it's an amazing truth. It's an amazing reality. And and he says, here's what I want you to offer. What what does he want us to offer? Not our spirit. He doesn't say offer your spirit. He didn't say offer your heart. He didn't say, you know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't offer our spirit. It doesn't mean we it doesn't offer our heart. But in this verse, he says, offer your bodies. Interesting. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Some translations say, present your bodies to God. Present what? Present your bodies to God. You see, worship is not just a mental practice. It's not just an intellectual understanding. It's not just something that happens emotionally. It's not just something that happens internally and spiritually. Worship is also a very physical expression. It should be something that's, that's expressed in our lives in physical ways. That's why I think he says here, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's this, it's this ability to say, God, here is all of me. I've given all of me to you. Now, if I were to have a meeting, and if I were to say to, to some of you, or if I were to say to all of you, listen, we're having this meeting uh, this afternoon. I, I, I'd really, I really need you to be there. And if Matt came up to me and he said, Pastor Chris, you know, I, you know, I, I, I heard you're going to have a meeting. I can't be there. But I'm going to be there in spirit. I'm, I'm going to be there in spirit. Now, while I appreciate that sentiment, it would be a little disconcerting if I got in the room for the meeting and it was just a room full of spirits. Right? Right? There, there, there is something about the physical presence that is, is, the, is the indication that says, Here, here's, I'm all in. Now, it's, it's good to say, you know, I'm there with you in spirit and I believe in what you're doing. But there's something more that says, I'm all in. Physically, I'm in. Our physical expression indicates that. And you might say, because the scripture says, present your bodies or offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And you might think, really? But this body is, is so imperfect. Isn't the worship that God desires something perfect? Doesn't he, doesn't he want the, the unblemished lamb? Doesn't he want the perfect sacrifice? This body, God, this body, I got, I got all kinds of trouble with this body. It's not quite in the shape. I haven't got the, all the upgrades in gear yet. You want this body? And God says, yes. I want you to present what you have because it's what I want. When we give our body, we're saying this to God. We're saying, listen, God, this thing you see is going to reflect your beauty and tangible expressions of mercy. I'm giving myself to you. So my hands are going to reflect you in tangible expressions of your mercy. My feet will reflect you where, where I go and where I take them and how I take them are going to reflect you in tangible expressions of mercy. The, the, the things that I say with my mouth, the things that I see with my eyes, these things are going to express you. They're, these things are going to reflect you in tangible expressions of mercy. See, he wants not only the spiritual parts, Sometimes we, we make this distinction. I got the spiritual parts of me and I got this tangible other part of my life. God wants the tangible parts of our life. God wants our physical expression. God wants our whole. God wants the real stuff of our life. God wants the stuff of our life that we think is imperfect. God wants the stuff of our life that we think is unspiritual. 
The stuff of our life that that sometimes we assess as unacceptable. God is saying, listen, I want all of you. I want you to give all of it to me. Worship says, God, there you are. And it says, God, here I am, every bit of me. And, And here's the thing. The spiritual expression, I'm sorry, the physical expression often precedes the spiritual connection. There are a lot of times where we, we give ourselves physically before we feel anything spiritually. And, and uh, frankly, there are times where I will get up on a Sunday morning, even as a pastor, and I just don't want to worship. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever get up and you even come to church or even in the room and you're like, I don't feel like worshiping today. Anybody feel that way ever? Okay, three of us, the rest of you are liars. Some of you felt that way this morning. Some of you still feel that way. But there are those times. There are days, not only on Sundays, there are days. I want to be able to take on the persona of that just really angry guy. I, I want to be cranky. I just, I, I have, fa- sometimes, I'm just going to let you in, into the, the demented world of Chris here for a second. There are times I want to take on the persona of the person who can just say whatever he wants and get away with it. I'm going to let him have it. Anybody ever fantasize about that kind of thing happening? Yeah, sometimes that happens inside of me. Uh, and sometimes I want to be cranky and sometimes I just want to be a loner. I just want to be left alone because there are times I just don't like people. What a jerk of a pastor you are. And, um, but that's just reality. They're just those times. But then I begin to worship. And I begin just out of truth. Begin, begin giving God an expression of worship. Whatever that might look like. Whether it's just singing a song from the 90s because that's my era. A worship song from the 90s. And I just began singing it even though I don't feel it. And I just began singing it. And the physical expression begins, happens before I feel it. But then, then God begins to change my heart. Something changes inside of me because then the truth begins to change my perspective. See, even though I might not feel like it, there should be this attitude, I'm going to do it anyway. This is, this is why the scripture talks about so many different physical expressions. Standing. The lifting of hands, clapping, kneeling, bowing down. Um, you know, even the very words for worship. I mean, just the, the very meaning of the words worship in the Old Testament, shaka, means to, to bow oneself down. Um, the proskuneo in, New, in the New Testament is to, is, to, is, to, is to bow down. There's just this expression that in the, uh, for worship in the presence of God, there's this, this physical expression that will come. Worship is not just an emotional thing or, a, or an intellectual ascent. It, is, it involves our body. And, and you might think, well, Chris, I, I'm not going to do something that isn't genuinely from a desire or isn't genuinely from my passion. So I'm not going to fake it. I'm not asking you to fake it. See, see, sometimes we need to bring our flesh our, into the subjection to the truth. It's, it's not disingenuous. It, it might be if the reason that we're coming into worship and we think, oh, I, I better raise my hands because I don't want people to look around and see that I'm unspiritual. Now that's faking it. Because now you're doing it for other people. But if you do it because you know the truth, 
that God is present and that God deserves it and that God is worthy. And then we begin, even though we don't feel it internally, it's not disingenuous to say, God, I'm going to do this out of my understanding of the truth, not, not necessarily because I feel it right now, but I, I'm going to do it anyway because you deserve it. It's amazing what happens in those moments as God begins to invade our obedience. As we bring the flesh in subjection to the truth of, of, of who God is and to our spirit, and then God begins to bring the spiritual connection. Sometimes, I'll go a step further. Sometimes we'll do that, and even after we do that, we still don't feel anything. Okay, so okay, I'm going to do this out of, out of the truth of who God is. I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing these words, even though I don't feel them right now. I'm going to sing them. And, and even after that, after we, we still don't feel anything. Still, God was worthy to receive that expression of praise. John 4, 23 and 24 out of the message says this. Listen to this. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is looking out for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. See that? Just be honest before Him. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship Him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. This verse in Romans 12, 1 goes on to say, Offer your bodies or present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A living, living. See, worship shouldn't be a dead ritual. Our lives are dynamic. Our, our, you know, they're always pulsing with life. Things are always changing in our lives. So, so our worship, when we're, when we're constantly recognizing that we're aware of God's presence, our worship will always be changing, always moving. It goes on to say, a living sacrifice. So what is that sacrifice? Now, when we say, present your body a living sacrifice, that is not we're, we're offering God a sacrifice to pay for our sin. We, that sacrifice is not a payment for sin. That payment has already been made by Jesus. You know, we never have to make a sacrifice of our bodies to pay for our sin. So when we come to worship, it's not this sense of penance. We come to worship, when, we, when it says offer a living sacrifice, what it's saying is we're laying our lives down, saying, God, here I am. My body, this moment, my circumstances, my hands, my feet, my actions, even my facial expressions, God, I lay them down as a sacrifice for you. They belong to you. And it goes on to say, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Here's where some people get bound up a little bit. Holy and pleasing to God. Okay, so is it saying that you, you have to get holy and pleasing before you worship? You might think, oh, man, after what I've done, Chris, it, it's, I can't worship because I, I'm not really worthy. I'm not holy and I'm not pleasing right now. But that's not what he's saying at all. That's not what this passage is saying at all. It's, it, when, when it says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, it's because of Jesus that we are holy and pleasing to God. We need to get our, get our heart and our mind around this. That because of Jesus, we are holy and pleasing to God. It is because of the sacrifice of Christ 
that he makes us holy and pleasing, that we're in his presence. And, and, and that's why when we get in his presence and we recognize again, God, still you want us? Knowing who I am, knowing what I've done, you still, yes, I want you because through my son, you are holy. Through my son, I've made you acceptable. That's an amazing reality. And that's what sparks the life of our worship. Because we recognize God has done everything necessary to make us acceptable to Him. He's the source of our holiness. He's the source of our acceptability. I like to think of it this way. When it says, present yourself to God, we're His present. Present yourself. You're a gift to Him. For some of us, it's hard to get our mind wrapped around, how can I... God wants you. God wants you. So how do I upgrade my worship? One, get in the truth of God's presence. Just get into the truth of God's presence. He is present. He is with you. He is there. He is here. Secondly, give of your whole self as a wanted child of God. Give of your body. Give him your mind. Give him your spirit. Give him your heart. Give him your will. Give of yourself, as a, your whole self, as a wanted child of God. Number three, make this a daily practice. I'm going to spend just a second on this. Make this a daily practice. See, our time of music on Sundays, I so appreciate it. I'm so grateful for it. And it is so important. That, that, that time of music we have for that 20 or 30 minutes on Sunday morning is beautiful and it's important. But listen, you know that if, if you're a part of this church, less than one-half percent of our week uh, when we're awake, if, if you sleep eight hours a, a night, which most of you probably don't, but if you did, understand that less than one-half percent of all the time you're awake is spent singing together. Less than one half percent. Okay, that's that's a small percentage. And and there are actually some church gatherings now, and and churches when they gather, they actually have no music. They don't have any music. They have teaching and they have fellowship and they have other things they do, but there's no music. And so sometimes our our understanding of what worship is, if we if we confine it to that less than one half percent of our week. And then we think, how can a church even worship if they have no music? We, we've missed the concept of what worship really is. And part of the reason that, that music has been such an issue in churches, and it is, right? Music can be a real source of contention in churches. Am I right? Yeah. And it's less than one half percent of what we do in a given week. So, so part of the reason it's been such an issue in churches is because Christians have limited their understanding of worship to this small window of music time, one time a week, and then starve themselves of personal worship all week, and then desperately hope that the 30 minutes they get on Sunday will sustain them through the rest of your week. That's never God's intention. God wants us to be full by the time we come here because we've been worshiping Him with all the rest of our time. We've been giving ourselves to Him all the rest of the time. If, listen, if you can leave a church just over music, you have too small a view of what the church is and too small a view of what worship is. The church is bigger than that. We should be in worship 
every single day. Now, you might come here, and that might not be the music, whatever, if, that, if that's your definition of worship, and if that's when you get to worship, and if that's not the kind of music you like, yeah, then it's going to be disturbing. But if we're giving ourselves in God, to God in worship every day, all the time, if we recognize that we're in His presence all the time, and He wants us all the time, and then we come up here filled up, because we've been worshiping all week. Now, you might not be worshiping with these songs. You might be worshiping with whatever music you like, or you might be worshiping in other different kinds of expressions. Uh, you know, not only should we be in prayer, not only should we be in God's Word, but we should be responding to that presence every day. Maybe it's singing in your car on the way to work. Maybe that's, how, that, that, that's one way you could worship. And in that, you can sing whatever kind of song you like. You choose. Nobody's going to argue with you. Well, maybe your spouse. Maybe for you, your worship is writing expressions of praise. Maybe for you, your worship is kneeling in quiet reflection. Maybe you, for you, it's shouting aloud about who God is. Maybe you know, a couple of things you can do. If you want to just worship, just be in, in continual expressions of worship and find opportunities for very specific, intentional times of worship, here's an idea. I'm just going to give you an idea. If, if you have a Pandora app or if you get the Spotify app, one of those apps on your phone, pick your favorite worship song. Plug that baby in and just turn that Pandora station on or that Spotify station on and listen and just begin to worship that way. You can do that anytime you want. Maybe it's, it's, it's reading and expressing the Psalms. Maybe it's proclaiming at various times throughout the day what you love about God by, by shouting out or, or speaking out the names of God. God, you are my king. God, you are my Lord. God, Holy Spirit, you are my counselor. And you just begin thinking of all the names of God and you just begin expressing worship to Him. You can do that all the time and we should be able to be doing that all the time throughout our, throughout our week. And when we do that, kind of like stretching, what happens is worship begins to activate the life within us. Okay? Worship begins to activate the life within us. The thing stretching does, one of the things that stretching does is it, it gets our blood flowing. Keeps our blood active, and 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 this, in the same way, worship begins to activate that life that is in us. The second thing does is worship keeps our heart flexible. Flexible. We have to be careful of dead ritual. We have to be careful of rigidity in our heart and in our life. And and here's the thing that I discovered in that softball game a couple years ago: is the the long the older I got, the less flexible I am. That's a bummer. I still think I can do the same things in my head, but I'm a little less flexible. So I got to continue to stay working on that. I got to continue to stay flexible. We have to be careful of rigidity that says it has to be done this way. My worship has to be done in this way. This is the only way I'm used to doing it. This is the only thing I've ever done to this point. God wants maybe to take you some steps forward. Or some different expressions. We are a living sacrifice. See, there's always the next wave. There's always something new that God's Spirit is doing. And what the presence of God, what we're maintaining the awareness of the presence of God does, is it keeps us flexible to what the Spirit is doing today. Not only to what He did years ago, but it keeps us flexible to, to the new things that God might be doing today. You know what one of the adjectives Jesus used for the Pharisees? Stiff-necked. Think of that. 
stiff-necked. They were inflexible because of their tradition. They were locked in. They have to do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. So you've got to do it this way. And Jesus was breaking through that stiff-neckedness. And he says, listen, I'm bringing something new and and you're not even aware of it. And he says, you people honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Don't let your heart harden. Stay flexible. Worship, being in the presence of God, keeps us flexible to the new thing that God is doing. Romans 12, 2 says, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That there's always a renewing that God wants to do in us to keep us fresh. And that's what we should be happening in our worship. Some of us, myself included, need to constantly be willing to say, God, would you stretch me? in my expression of worship to you? Would you stretch me in my understanding of who you are in your presence? Would you stretch me in my ability to give of myself wholly to you in whatever ways your Spirit is asking of me? And third, lastly, worship readies us for the heavy stuff of life. Part of the reason we sing first in service is because it softens us to the Word of God. You know, that's one of the reasons we, we, we do singing first because, because we begin to express who God is and begin to recognize His presence. We, we, and we're aware of that together, the beauty of that, doing that together. And then our hearts soften and it readies us for the Word of God. But, but worship also readies us for the heavy stuff of life. And when um, uh, a few months ago I started going back to the gym because I have this pattern in my life of going to the gym and then not going to the gym and then going to the gym. So I'm in the good pattern here. Uh, I don't do a lot of heavy lifting. I know that's a shock to you, but <laughs> but when I when I go when I go and I do some lifting, one of the things that I have to do is I have to make sure I'm I'm ready to do that. And and so you do some light extra, you, you do some light stuff first before make sure your form is right, make sure that's all correct before you do something heavier because it prepares us for the heavy stuff of life. That's what worship does. All of us have heavy stuff in our life. All of us have enough that we're going through and we're dealing with responsibilities that we're carrying and weight that is on us. And, and worship makes sure we have the proper perspective of who God is and that He still wants us, even in the midst of all that. This week when my dad went down with his stroke, he had the stroke and it, it fell down and he lost use of his left side, as I mentioned. And, and uh, we were in his hospital room there and he still was not, you know, none of that function had come back. We stood in that room and we knew from the moment we stepped in that room, the presence of God was in that room. He, he was there. And, and even in the midst of that moment and that concern and that circumstance, we were more aware of God's presence than the circumstance we could see with our eyes in that moment. Now, it's a battle because our eyes see one thing, but God wants to lift our eyes to see something beyond that. And so in that moment, there was still peace. There was still laughter, lots of laughter. There's still joy. There's still worship because God's presence is there. That's what worship does. It prepares us when we're going through the heavy stuff of life. I'd like us to close, and, and I'd like us to close with this song, Good, Good Father. 
And I want us to just, as we sing it, just, just remember that, that what this is a response to is this, these two truths. God, here you are. And God, here I am. What does that mean for you today? What does here I am mean for you today? What do you need to give to God today? What do you need, what expression do you need to give to say, God, I recognize your presence in this room and here's my life. Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe you need to just give God in some physical expression, physical way. You need to say, God, I want to be stretched in you. I've withheld this, but I'm giving myself to you. So would you stand with me? Use this moment of worship as a springboard for how you may worship in the course of this afternoon and tomorrow and the week ahead. Let's sing it together this morning. You just bow your heads, close your eyes with me for a moment. And if there's some, some aspect of your life that you would say, God, this is something I need to give to you today just before I leave. I just, whether it's something, you know, circumstance of your life. Maybe it's something you've been withholding from God. Maybe it's some sin that you just need you need to confess and ask Him to remove from your life. Maybe there's something that you would say when you say, God, here I am. You'd be willing to say, God, I'm laying it all down. A living sacrifice. I recognize, God, that from your perspective, you see me as holy and acceptable, and I want to see myself in that same light. So here I am. So if there's something you, you need to just release to God and say, God, here it is. Would you just slip up your hand? I'm not going to, I just want to see it. I want to pray for you as we, as we close this morning. God, you see these who are, are saying, just even with this physical expression, this act of worship, of a hand lifted, saying, God, here I am. God, if Whatever that is that needs to be given to you, whatever that circumstance, whatever that thing that has been withheld, whatever that sin, whatever it is, Lord, you know what it is. And I thank you that when we say, here I am, you see us as a present. <laughs> you see us as a gift. You see us as something you want, you want us. And so, Lord, I pray that there would just be this overwhelming sense in every person whose hand is raised and in every person whose hand wants to be raised and in every person in this room. There would just be this overwhelming sense that you are accepting them, that, Lord, you want them and that you're close to them. And, Lord, I pray that that would be our expression of worship, not only now, but later today and all through the week so that when we come in here, just this corporate time would just be an extension of what's happened in our life throughout the week. God, redefine worship for us. There you are. God, here I am. God, bless everyone as they go today. Lord, I pray that today would be just an amazingly beautiful, fantastic day in Jesus. I pray that there would be great fellowship. Lord, I pray that there would be great life. I pray that there would be great hope. I pray that there would be the encouragement of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great, great afternoon. God bless.